Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Would you feel uneasy if your flight took a detour through the Bermuda Triangle? And why are there so many disappearances here? And what actually goes wrong? The Bermuda Triangle is an area of water in the Atlantic Ocean between Bermuda, Miami and Puerto Rico. It is legendary for the hundreds of ships and aircraft that have crashed there over the past couple of centuries and it is said that over 1,000 lives have been lost. Some of the theories behind the mystery include methane gas. A large amount of methane gas is known to exist below the ocean floor. If the gas finds its way out and starts rising through the water, it can significantly reduce the density of the water and ships may sink. But there is no evidence that this has actually happened. Rogue waves, magnetic forces, which we'll talk about in a little bit, a wormhole, Again, we'll discuss electronic fog, another topic for us to discuss. Water spouts, like a tornado in the ocean. These have been seen in the Bermuda Triangle. Atlantis, some people actually believe that Atlantis sank because it being right in the centre of the Bermuda Triangle and because Atlantis is at the bottom of the ocean there, um, it's said that maybe its magnetic forces coming from Atlantis affect the water above it and so that's why so many people have disappeared. What do you think about the Atlantis theory? I'm not so sure. Or could it just be human error? Well, I've always been fascinated by the Bermuda Triangle and all its cases. It's a vast area of Atlantic Ocean and covers between 500 and 1 million square miles of water. Since man's earliest expeditions, strange occurrences have been reported whilst travelling across the Triangle's waves. The earliest record comes from Christopher Columbus. On Saturday the 15th of September 1492, Columbus and his crew witnessed what they describe as a small wax candle that rose from the sea and lifted up. Also, in the ship's log, Columbus notes that the compass began to give false readings. He wrote, Saw a marvellous branch of fire fall from the sky into the sea. A meteor or shooting star perhaps? Or something else? Can you believe that around 120 boats each year go missing? Planes and civilians also vanish. So where do they go? The weather certainly does play a huge role in the Bermuda Triangle's mystery. It's well known that in that part of the world there are many storms and hurricanes. Apparently, there are also many miles of deep water trenches and reports of strange magnetic readings have been taken. Apparently, within the triangle, magnetic north and true north line up and this causes lots of phenomena, including ball lightning, strange weather and electrical malfunctions. So, could Columbus have been privy to the true north lineup? Hmm, possibly. The ball lightning certainly does sound similar to what he and his crew witnessed. It would be a few hundred years later before the modern world would become aware of the Bermuda Triangle. Back in 1950, an article was published in various American newspapers where the piece's headline ran as this, The Still Sea Swallows Voyages. 
This report highlighted the many mysteries and disappearances off the coast of Florida and the island of Bermuda. This newspaper report told of five separate incidents since the beginning of the century. One boat, nine planes and 135 civilians and crewmen had just simply and inexplicably vanished into seemingly thin air. This was the very first time that this part of the world was suspected of being dangerous and possibly paranormal. Two years later, in 1952, a paranormal magazine picked up the story, but this time marked out the area as a triangle. Then, in 1964, in a magazine called The Argosy, Vincent Gaddis wrote an article, The Deadly Bermuda Triangle. Its front cover read, Deadliest spot in the sea. 1,000 men, 61 ships, 34 planes lost in the Bermuda Triangle. There have been so many strange and unusual cases reported about the Bermuda Triangle. Some of them have been solved, others, no such luck. Joshua Slocum, an experienced sailor, and he was the first person to single handedly sail around the world. And although he had never learnt to swim, was in love with the ocean and all its adventures that came with it. He was also a writer and had written books about his sailing endeavours. In 1909, he set sail aboard a boat he himself had rebuilt, named the Spray. He set off from Vineyard Haven, Massachusetts, for the West Indies. This was the last time his wife would ever see him again. Search operations were carried out, but his body and his ship were never found. It wasn't until 1924 that Joshua Slocum was declared dead. In 1918, the USS Cyclops left Barbados. It was one of the Navy's largest fuel ships. It simply vanished with all crew on board and the captain never sent out a distress call. On January the 30th, 1948, a passenger plane carrying 28 people disappeared 50 miles off its final destination. The plane was owned by British South American Airlines. The aircraft vanished between Santa Maria in the Azores and Bermuda. The plane's crew and all its passengers have never been found. October 1951, a ship named the Southern District, which was a US Navy landing ship, disappeared after being seen near the Bermuda Triangle. Four years later, one life vest was discovered bearing the ship's name. Again, the vessel and all its crew were never found. December the 22nd, 1967, a 23-foot cabin cruiser named aptly Witchcraft that was built to be unsinkable ran into trouble. After leaving Miami Yacht Marina in the evening, after a few hours around 9pm, the Coast Guard received a message where the owner, Burak, said that his boat seemed to have hit something and that he would need to be towed ashore. The boat apparently was only one mile offshore. Burak informed the Coast Guard that he would let a flare off to let them know his location. When the Coast Guard arrived some 19 minutes later, there was absolutely no sign of the boat witchcraft. The Coast Guard searched for many days and over 1,200 square miles, but witchcraft and its owner were never to be seen again. December 1970, a pilot, Bruce Gernon, was flying with his father over the Atlantic. He describes flying into what he calls an electronic fog. A huge dark grey cloud engulfed them. As he flew through, he noticed his compass began to spin in different directions. The cloud seemed to be forming lines and spiralling in an anti-clockwise direction, whilst pushing them in a forward motion. They were in a dark spinning tunnel and suddenly aware that they were feeling weightless, they were in zero gravity. He flew blind for three minutes, absolute panic and terror taking over. Was he going to die? Was he going to get out? Suddenly the cloud opened up and the plane was back in a normal atmosphere. The control tower crackled back through the radio that they now had a visual on radar and that the plane was now over Miami. When he looked at his instruments, 40 minutes had passed, but he had travelled a distance that should have taken an hour and a half. Bruce Gernon's experience is mirrored by other cases where they tell of a strange, dark grey cloud, weightlessness 
and bright lights. In 1979, John Hutchinson undertook a controlled experiment in his own apartment. He placed many objects together to generate different levels of electromagnetism. All the objects generated a magnetic field when passed through a coil or wire. John proved that through mixing the electromagnetic fields, very strange things can happen. Metals break, objects moved on their own, and apparently unaided, lifted into the air. That must have looked so freaky. Hutchinson quoted, I have personally experienced a greyish type mist when I was doing my high voltage research, and this mist would appear and disappear. To look at it, it looks metallic. I couldn't see through it, so it exists. It exists. The most famous case of the Bermuda Triangle has to be Flight 19. On December the 5th, 1945, Flight Lieutenant Charles Taylor was to lead a routine training exercise involving five planes and 14 crewmen. They were to fly from Fort Lauderdale to the Bahamas, then back to Fort Lauderdale. Charles Taylor suddenly is worried as his compass isn't working. He asks another pilot how long they've been in the air. His reply is one hour and 45 minutes. Charles Taylor continues to talk to his fellow pilots, trying to get some sort of bearing, but no one seems to know where they are. It seems not one of their compasses is working. The lieutenant is heard saying over the radio, Everything is wrong! A few miles south of Fort Lauderdale, another traffic controller picks up their transmission and can hear that all the planes are in trouble, running out of fuel and time. Suddenly, the weather turned bad, and at 8pm, all communication was lost. The last radio communication was heard. It was Lieutenant Charles Taylor instructing his crew. All planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together. Was it just bad weather that caused the planes to go down? Was it the Hutchinson effect? UFOs or a black hole? There are so many theories as to what happened, but so far they are just theories. What baffles me is we spend so much money and time and effort on space exploration. Shouldn't we be putting more efforts into finding out what our Earth, our waters are made of? Maybe there is a black hole in the Bermuda Triangle and maybe it can transport humans, planes and ships to a different dimension. I'd like to think that that's the real reason the Bermuda or the Devil's Triangle exists. Maybe Steven Spielberg's movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind is on the right track. Sightings of UFOs, strange lights and grey mists are still reported today in the Bermuda Triangle. I was asked once if I'd ever go and investigate it. I replied, I'd rather listen to Barry Manilow. That's as close as I'll ever get. This week's story is from Michelle, who has got in touch all the way from Brisbane, Australia, to tell us her experiences with the paranormal. Hi, Yvette. My name is Michelle and I live in Brisbane, Australia. I've always had a huge interest in the paranormal ever since I was very little and my dad told me about a ghost that he saw in our house. Well, actually, he saw a couple of them. Um, so I've had a number of different experiences and the more I listen to your podcast and your personal stories, the more I feel validated by them. There was one episode in particular that really, really resonated with me and it was the one where you explained about how you got into the paranormal where you had seen some things that were in your house and you started going to like meditations and things like that and then all of a sudden you, you know, had different experiences and... After listening to that podcast, um, yeah, I just felt so amazed and so validated because that's exactly um, the same type of experiences that I've had as well. So um, I've always, as I mentioned, I've always been interested in the paranormal. And so in 2018, my dad had passed away and there's some background story to that as well. So for about two years before that, I had been going to a spiritual church and um, I have been doing meditations every week. I'd been participating in healing sessions um, and doing overheads, tarot readings and stuff like that. And I really, really enjoyed it. I just I was so fascinated by it. And I think around about that time as well is when 
I discovered your most haunted show, which was the best thing ever. And so in about 2018, it was the week before he passed, my dad passed away. All of a sudden, while I was lying in bed, I was just hit with a bunch of images similar to your experience where you were at home. And the images were just the same thing over and over again, which was my dad passing away. And my husband would come in to tell me and there was nothing I could do because I was at work and I remember just coming home and, and seeing him and he was gone. And um, I was so upset and and distraught by it and I just kept thinking, well, maybe, you know, this can't be happening. Um, and my husband had said to me, you know, well, maybe it's just a dream. It's just a dream. So, you know, don't be afraid. Um, and so I tried not to think anything of it until it actually happened. Um, the only thing that was different was that in my images, I, because I was at a particular job, the place at where these images were was, okay, this must be a Monday, when actually it was on the Sunday night and I was at spiritual church and I looked at the door and my husband walked in and I looked at his face and I knew straight away what had happened. Um, and so the night that my dad had passed away, an odd thing had happened where none of our phones worked at all. The landline phone didn't work, none of our mobile phones worked and we tried to call different people to let them know the news and the phone lines just weren't working. And then the very next day, um, more strange things happened where uh, all of the PowerPoints in our house were working but not the lights. And then the next day that switched. So all of the PowerPoints in our house didn't work except for the fridge, thankfully. But yeah, so it was really, really strange. We had some really strange electrical um, activity in the house. And also for three days after he passed away, every time I got into my car to drive anywhere, a particular song would come on the radio. And so now every time I hear that song, I I think about my dad straight away. And there's been some really uncanny things with that where um, I was walking in a, a furniture store and the song had come down, uh, sorry, had come on the radio um, in the store. And I looked to my husband and he was standing next to a furniture piece, which was called the Derby Collection, which is my last name. Um, when I went to the doctor to um, get my pregnancy confirmed, you know, we had seen the doctor. They had said, yep, you're pregnant. Um, we got in the car, turned on the car, and the song came on. Uh, and at so many different times in my life when I've really needed him or where I've really struggled with things in my life, that song has come on or something has come on that just reminds me of him and I sort of feel like he's around in a way. But I just wish that I could contact him and speak to him the same way that you speak to your dad and the same way you speak to your nan. Um, I find those experiences that you have just remarkable and so lovely. Um, so I've had lots of different other um, experiences of UFOs, um, Ghosts, actually, today I saw a shadow spirit, which is the big reason why I'm actually doing this voice memo today because it reminded me I need to speak to Yvette. I need to tell her about all the crazy things that have happened in my life and I have literally just scratched the surface. There are so many things um, that I actually feel like I need to catalogue them in case I forget them all. But thank you so much for your podcast. Thank you so much for most haunted um it's it's given me this feeling of feeling validated because now i know that i'm not alone in my experiences and that um someone on the complete opposite side of the world has had the same things happen to them and it just it makes me feel really great so thank you Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for leaving that wonderful message. And I'm so pleased you enjoy listening to the podcast. I'm so sorry to hear about your dad's passing, but it does sound to me like he's desperately been trying to get hold of you to let you know that he is around and that he loves you deeply. Isn't it funny how um, we both had very, very similar um, situations there? And it's very strange because songs and music play such an important 
songs and music play such an important role in our lives. And um, I think they help the other side try to connect with us with emotion. So, you know, like you say, your dad's favorite song, a song that meant something to you and your dad, whenever, uh, you know, you were out and about or in the car, or as you say, you're even in a furniture shop, you'd hear this song. And that's happened to me so many times. Um, my dad was a huge Beatles fan, as am I. I think that's where I got my love of them from. And his favorite song was Twist and Shout. We actually pe- played it at his funeral. Can you imagine? Sometimes when I try and communicate with him, if we're doing a seance or something, we'll all start to sing the Beatles twist and shout. And as soon as we do that, the table starts to vibrate, starts to shake, and then it'll start banging along with the rhythm of the song that we're singing, which is absolutely incredible. I think, Michelle, that you have the obviously the capability to open up even more. Um, I think that because you're very aware and you've listened to stories like what happened to me, you know, be very careful when you're doing your meditation. And I think with you going to a spiritualist church as well, they'll be able to advise you correctly on, and you know, how to do it right and how to just be very vigilant and guard yourself as well. Because there can be some mischievous spirits out there who'd like to have a bit of a play with you, like they did with me, uh, as you know, in my first house. Um, and I think that the knocking phenomena, and I say this to a lot of people, you know, you say, Michelle, that, you know, you wish that you could have that same connection with your dad as I do with mine, with this knocking phenomena. But you know what, Michelle, that will happen. And to anybody else that's listening that wants to communicate with their loved ones, what you have to do is this. Okay. Get some trusted friends, very close friends that um, are believers or maybe people in a spiritualist church. You're all there for the same reason. Uh, make some sort of connection with them, become friendly with them. Once you have that connection, week in, week out, week in, week out, you sit together in what's called a closed circle. And a closed circle, it, it just basically means it's, it's a selected group of like-minded people that trust one another and you sit in meditation and seance, and you try to open up communication with the other side. Now, the more that you do this, Michelle, the more that you do, and you have to do it regularly, that's when the knocking phenomena will start to come through. And not just knocking phenomena, but all sorts of uh, phenomena. Try and do it in a very relaxed atmosphere. Have a, I'm not I'm not advocating that we have alcohol, but I always find a drink, just a little glass of red wine, just to relax you. Whatever you do to relax, do that and then do this communication. Again, with trusted friends. And not just the knocking, as I say, other phenomena will start to happen. So the table might start to vibrate. The table might start to lift up in the air. Um, things might start to be um, drop, uh, you know, and a port. So for instance, I'm always getting pennies. And in fact, only last week, two pennies were found in my bed. Again, a gift from my dad. So who knows? You can ask for things to be given to you. Obviously not money unless they're all pennies, but, um, you know, a, a, a coin from their era or I don't know, anything, um, suddenly a, a, a piece of jewelry or a key or something that they can leave for you in the house. Ask for all of these things to happen. But the one thing to remember, you've got to do it regularly and with the same group of people. Please do get in contact and let me know how you're getting on, Michelle, uh, or anybody that's listening that really wants to communicate with their loved ones on the other side. Um, we all have the capability of doing it. It's whether we want to put the work in that matters. Push Your Peak is a brand new podcast brought to you by What Bike. Join me, Louise Minchin, and some of the world's most incredible sports people to learn what it takes mentally and physically to push yourself beyond your limits. Whether you're an elite or everyday athlete, it can be hard to continually progress. How do you push yourself out of your comfort zone? Where do you go to find that inner drive? Tune in to hear these inspiring stories and take away the belief that you can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small you can find us wherever you got this podcast just search push your peak hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. Before we go into our chat with a leading expert, Melissa got in touch on email to ask, Hi to the whole team. I've been a huge fan since I was young and listening to the podcast has been wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Melissa. Uh, I was wondering if you have ever come across someone who, the wording is difficult, mutes paranormal activity around them. On ghost hunts I've been on, I get the feeling that I just mute the energy all around. There have been occasions where we would split off into three groups and the group I'm part of doesn't seem to experience much at all, whilst other groups encounter and feel lots. Don't get me wrong, I've had the odd experience here and there and have felt previously a deceased friend trying to contact me, but it's like the line isn't working or more like it's being blocked. And now, as I reflect on the situations I've been in, I really feel like I might be, in brackets, a self-coined term, because I don't know what else to call it, close brackets, a muter. A muter of otherworldly energy. I'm not sure about people's energy. I don't think I am an energy vampire or anything. Is this something you've come across? Someone that can walk into somewhere that is known to be haunted and cease all the activity? I'd love to know if this is the case, as it might explain a lot of things. I went to a medium class for six years and got really good at meditating and bringing through messages from guides, but I know there was something stopping it. I tried very hard, but I can't shake this feeling. Anything you have on this would be so interesting. Thank you for reading and for the inspiring podcast that I hope remind everyone that things aren't always as simple as they seem. And I love what you say about bringing paranormal groups together. Well, thank you so much, Melissa, uh, who's from Guildford. That's where Carl's from. Well, that is a brilliant brilliant question. And yes, Melissa, I come across this an awful lot. Um, now, there are two parts to answering this question. So let's just, I'm going to talk about you personally in the second part. The first part of this um, this answer is not relating to you, but to the phenomena that you have actually brilliantly uh, coined as a muter. I think that's fantastic. I'm actually going to nick that if you don't mind. Um, so what will happen is, as you've rightly said, we will be doing uh, an investigation. Um, we will be split off into groups like yourself and we'll be getting the most amazing things happening. We'll get, be getting poltergeist activity, things being thrown, voices, uh, objects moving on their own, fantastic communication. And uh, say two other people or another person walks in and bang, it all stops. Now, I straight away will say, excuse me, I hope you don't mind me asking, but are you a skeptic or are you a believer? And they'll say, well, two answers. I've been dragged along with the missus. I'm not really a believer. Or the second one is, well, I'm open-minded. I want something to happen, but I'm not quite sure. Um, and the third one is, yes, I'm a believer. Okay. So the first two are explainable. We've Anybody that has um, 
any negative thoughts whatsoever. And I don't mean negative as in bad. I mean, as in, this is the thought process. Well, I'm not really sure. Go on, prove it to me then. Come on, show me what happens. If there are any ghosts here, I want to see them. Well, nothing so far, is there? Eh? What a load of rubbish this is. Oh, I could be watching the football at home. Oh, for God's sake. I can't believe they're all standing around here talking to nothing. That's one of the things that go through <laughs> some people's minds. The other thing is, Oh, please, come on, do something for me. I've been waiting for three hours and nothing's happening. What's going on? Oh, my feet are killing me. Honestly, I wish I'd had that bacon sandwich before I came out. I'm starving. That's the second thing that could happen. They want something to happen, but then their brain isn't in the right place. Now then, the third experience, the third person is, yes, I I'm a complete believer, but they're not putting 100% of their energies into that investigation. Now, I'm not saying that is where the second part comes in. Melissa, I'm not saying that you're that at all. I think some people also really believe and they really want something to happen, but subconsciously, something that you're not aware of. Hey, who knows? None of us know. Maybe from a past life. I don't know what it could be, but subconsciously there could be something blocking your positive thoughts into the ether. So what I suggest you do, uh, Melissa, is this. I don't know if you do this already, but do some meditation. Um, and there's some fantastic um, meditation apps you can get. It doesn't have to be a spiritual one. It can just be being still, listening to waves, listening to the beach, listening to birds, anything. Just be still. Just try doing that. Even if it's for just 15, 20 minutes a day, try doing that. The other thing that you can do as well is just to get some crystals, just some crystals, just dot them around, very positive, opening up the chakras, uh, very positive energies. Just place one by the side of your bed, place one in your bedroom, place one uh, in a different room all around the house. Uh, And there are all sorts of crystals um, that uh, can really help with bringing out those positive positive forces. Um, And don't let any other people um, put negative thoughts into your head. So whenever I do a ghost hunt um, or an investigation um, and a private one, I don't really talk about it to many people. Um, And especially people who I know are a little bit sceptical about everything that I do, because it's very easy for them to put the negative thoughts into your head. And then you start to question yourself. And so the next time you go on a ghost hunt, sometimes those negative thoughts will go into your head. And even though you don't mean it, again, subconsciously, that energy goes out into the atmosphere. So when you go into any haunted location or you want something to happen, think there's no negativity whatsoever, not even a tiny negative thought it will happen. It will happen. I'm going to see something. I'm going to experience it because I know that it's real. If you think that, therefore it will happen. Well, I hope that's answered your question, but Melissa, please get back in touch with us and let us know how your ongoing ghost hunts go. Love to know. Well, I'm absolutely delighted as always to welcome Alan and Harrison Raw from Research and Witness. We love having a chat, don't we, about all sorts of strange stuff. So let's talk about the Bermuda Triangle, guys. What are your thought, initial thoughts on it? Uh, as always, you know, I'm the sceptic and um, and he's uh, more of a believer. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's there's been... Obviously, a lot of incidents, but a lot of them could be explained by unusual but natural phenomena. Um, but there, there still remains a few things which, you know, I, even I have to admit seem very odd. Uh, what do you think, Harrison? Um, I think there's such a wide range of incidents that's happened there. There could be lots of different explanations for lots of different types of disappearances. But I think in general, there's definitely something strange going on. We just, I mean, it's just finding out what that is. What do you think, from your point of view, is the most, Alan, from a sceptical point of view, do you think, oh, I actually haven't got an explanation for that. I can't actually, I don't understand how that's happened out of all the cases that you know of. There are arguments for all of the cases about how they could have been um, influenced by natural phenomena, but maybe not completely caused. I mean, it's not a full explanation. So with some of them, yeah, like with Columbus, for example, um, his 
he experienced uh, anomalies with his compass. Well, that's easy, that bit of it's easily explained with, as you've already mentioned, the area um, where where it has some magnetic anomalies and also magnetic north and true north don't occasionally line up and don't line up in that area. So there, there is, there's a very well-known magnetic anomaly in that area that all shipping uh, knows about. So, you know, that, that bit's easily explained. Um, the ball of light... Well, yeah, it could be ball lightning. That's a natural explanation. It could have been a meteor. He might just not have seen one before. You'd expect he would have done. Um, it could have been luminescent um, underwater life, but that doesn't explain how it was in the sky. So possible, th- there's always going to be possible things. You know, you could even say that somebody not f- on the shore had released a, uh, one of those fire lanterns. They've been around since the uh, beginnings of the Chinese dynasty. So um, it could have been any of those things. But he was a very experienced man, uh, so experienced he was able to lead uh, expeditions. So you wouldn't expect him and all of his crew to be easily fooled by natural things which had been around uh, way before they were. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you, I like it how we we have to. You've got to look at things logically, haven't you, before you just jump to to conclusions. But Harrison, you might have a different thought on that, thought process on that. I mean, in your opinion, Harrison, what's the best case for you that you go, ah, oh, how can anybody say that it's you know, there's there's any other reason for you know, it's got to be paranormal. It has to be the Bermuda Triangle's got to be. X, Y, and Z, you know, it's not it's not normal. One of the cases that really does jump out at me is the Bruce Gernon electronic fog incident where he was flying, um, he was a few miles off the coast of Andros Island and electronic fog engulfed him, spinning in anti-clockwise formation in like a rotation going around the plane. And he's getting sucked into it, the instruments were going wild, zero gravity was being experienced by him and the other people on board. And he eventually popped out over Miami, 30 minutes or 40 minutes less than the time it normally takes. I mean, that is a, is an ex, it's, it's extraordinary for me. You know, shouldn't we really be looking at what we have underneath our waves rather than keep going up into space? Don't you think we need to find out more about what is in our Earth, you know? I mean, there could be things down there that just, well, defies everything, you know, just blow our minds. We can tell a lot about um, the waves from space and uh, the Earth's magnetic field can be monitored from there. Astronauts in the ISS, um, they confirmed that there is a magnetic anomaly uh, at the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, They also confirmed from there that particles of sun rays move faster in that uh, that area and nowhere else on Earth. So that means that that is a very special place If for that, if nothing else. And they also confirmed that um, electronic equipment uh, and magnetic equipment will clearly misbehave if it is in an area that, that matches with that. And they can tell that with the sensors that they're using with the ISS. So, you know, that can be pretty useful. But I, I know what you mean. We don't know anything about what's in our oceans. And with the two trenches down there, the two biggest trenches down there, which you've mentioned before, 19,000 feet and 27,000 feet, it's virtually impossible to navigate what's going on down at the very bottom of there. Um, of course, with Bruce Gurdon, it could have been a roll cloud, uh, which would have static electricity in it. Could have been a tailwind and a roll cloud and static electricity. Doesn't account for zero gravity, of course. I was going to say, would that, yeah, <laughs> that would be the most craziest experience. I, I, no wonder why he's written so many books about it. You wouldn't forget that in a hurry, would you? You certainly would. I mean, would you go to the Bermuda Triangle if somebody said, right, we're going to spend a week in a, in a, in a yacht and we're going to position ourselves right in the centre of the Bermuda Triangle? You know, if there's no storms, of course, would you go? As Harrison's father, I'd say, no, he won't go. <laughs> um, I'm sure he'd say differently. Uh, but personally, without Harrison, I'd definitely go. I'd fly over it. I don't like boats, so I don't think I'd be one of them. But I would definitely fly over it. I okay. mean, as you were saying before, only 5% of the Earth's oceans have been explored and charted. Um, and we're ex- we know more about space and the moon and the surface of Mars and our own oceans. So 
there's so much more to be explored that we don't know about. It is a massive, massively popular holiday destination, though. It's extremely popular. Yeah. People love to go to the Bermuda Triangle. It's also one of the busiest shipping lanes, and planes go over it all the time. So it's very popular. But in 2017, you know, as recently as 2017, uh, Turkish flight TK183 was forced to change course over the Bermuda Triangle because their equipments and uh, uh, meters were going crazy. Where are all these wrecks? Where are all these thousands over the years of planes and ships and people? Where are they all? Well, the sceptic has to jump in here. Uh, <laughs> The Gulf, Stream, the Gulf Stream goes through that area and the Gulf Stream is a very strange thing. You know, it's a, a river of warm water on top of the ocean, something like that. It seems completely ridiculous, but that's what it is. And it exists. So the Gulf Stream um, can remove debris from the area uh, very quickly, which is why it's hard to find any wreckage. That, that would be my explanation of it. Um, also, if you go with the, the methane theory of, uh, you know, taking ships due to methane coming bubbling up from the bottom and making the water act as if it's boiling and it can even take a low-flying plane, um, then obviously the, the wreckage is then going to be spread over an area. I mean, it, uh, th there's also, with the, with the trenches being down there, uh, that are so deep you can't get to the bottom of some of them, then that's where the wreckage could be. Well, yeah, some of them are 19,000 feet and 27,000 feet. I mean, you're not going to get down there and no. find anything. Electromagnetic fields, for me, have always been a fascination. You know, when you go on ghost hunts, you've got your EMF field meter. You know, everything has a magnetic field, doesn't it? And it's, you know, just digressing quickly off onto the the paranormal i.e. ghosts you know when i'll stand in the middle of a cellar or something there's no electricity down there there's no pipes there's no nothing that can cause fluctuations and then right by me for some reason and there was nothing there before the machine will go insane and you know the emf meter is giving high level readings and i and then all of a sudden for no reason whatsoever it's gone. And during that period that, that it's showing high level readings, I might feel a bit sick. I might feel very cold. Um, so something is affecting the human body. So these electromagnetic fields, they're happening and there's high levels of them in the Bermuda Triangle. Again, should we not be looking at at these massive readings? What's causing them and why are they sort of concentrated in this one particular area and then again you know you can go you can go back which we all believe in the ancient alien theory is there something was it i don't know was it that particular area important to an alien race that was visiting from another planet a bit like the antarctic you know we know that there's you know allegedly some sort of activity going on there with, with aliens so is the bermuda part of that whole story do you think well Obviously, a lot of people believe that uh, Atlantis uh, is in the Bermuda Triangle, that it sunk there. And Edgar Cayce obviously said in um, the, oh, beginning of the 20, yeah, beginning of the 20th century, he, he said that uh, uh, there was um, uh, Atlantis was, was somewhere in that area and they found the uh, Bernini Road formation, didn't they, in 1968, uh, based on his predictions. So there are, And we talked uh, before uh, on your podcast about... Um, walls and structures being under the oceans and there are some in that area there's some off the coast of cuba there's some in benini there's um there is evidence of that in that area but of course those who believe in atlantis and um go by what plato said in ancient greece you know there's there's a lot attached to that they talk of crystals being used for power and um you know that would explain to some people why there could be anomalies in that area, but also you know there's the there's the theory as well of USOs and uh, and aliens under the sea, which now yeah, you see I'm interjecting here because I've got very excited as soon as you said that. Do you know <laughs> me and my hobby were only talking about USOs last night and saying because um we our daughter is in the RAF and we went out for dinner and we met her friend who is going to be a submariner. And we were saying, you know, aren't you going to be a little bit frightened going down in this submarine? And they were telling us all about, you know, how deep they go. And, and Carl and I were thinking, I wonder how many submarines around the world have reported unusual phenomena down there. And 
why don't oh, I suppose the general public don't get to know about these things? But I'd love to know more about that because we concentrate so much, don't we, on what what is above us, but like we just said before, not what's going on below us. And I just wonder, you know, have there been lots of USOs encountered in the Bermuda Triangle? Well, there's a few things about this. I mean, Harrison, you know, there's a submarine base base there, isn't there? There is. Uh, they all have the cover stories for what the researching down there but there is a lot of you know underwater bases but going back to the submarines and USOs um you might be onto something there because as recently as October 2021 um a US nuclear submarine collided with an unknown object in the South China Sea where 11 sailors were injured and this was on Sky News this is well documented um it was in the Asia Pacific region and US officials say that the submarine remained fully operational, but it's still not clear what caused the incident. So this has been ongoing for a very long time, and it's still happening. Can you hear me in the background? I'm going like this. Oh, <laughs> yes, you <laughs> can hear. <laughs> well, we talked before as well, haven't we? We, we talked before on your show about it, about the Nimitz incident and how it went under the water. Yeah. I mean, yes, of course, it. I forgot about that. Incidentally, whereabouts was that? Do we? I can't remember where it was. It was off the coast of California. It's been a lot of sightings of various things just off that, like a little island just off the coast of California, the real hotspot for it. Now, I, I just got to say, you were mentioning earlier about um, your equipment, magnetic equipment, when you're when you're looking for um, for ghosts and. Um, I think that you've just come up with the perfect case, Yvette, for you to go on a boat to the uh, Bermuda Triangle um, to do, <laughs> uh, to, to search for spirits because there's over a thousand lives been lost there. They used to call it the limbo of lost souls before it was called the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, did they? I did uh, see now you've had, I did not a clue, not a clue. Has anybody done a, done a search there? Has anybody tried to find? Well, Anything? Do you know, that's absolutely fascinating because years and years ago when I was a lot braver and obviously a lot younger and more nimble, we won't go into that, but I actually, um, myself and Carl, my husband, actually wrote up a synopsis and a programme idea to actually charter a yacht and myself and scientists with lots of equipment were to spend a week right in the center of the Bermuda Triangle. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody was, uh, you know, the, the TV shows at the time was like, no, there's no need for it. No, it's all right. And we wouldn't get insurance anyway. So no, it's all right. And we sort of gave up on the idea. But if there's anybody listening that fancies that, and of course, Alan and Harrison have to come, uh, then we'll we'll pack our bags and go, won't we? Do you know where we put those life jackets, Harrison? <laughs> 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 yeah. Fantastic. We can talk about this till we're blue in the face. Well, listen, thank you so very much for talking to me yet again. And uh, we'll speak again very soon, no doubt, on something else paranormal. Joining me now is Simon Boxall, Principal Teaching Fellow within the School of Ocean and Science, the University of Southampton. Welcome, Simon. Hello, Yvette. Um, well, um, <laughs> We're talking about the Bermuda Triangle, and I've just been going through lots of cases, um, particularly, um, I don't know if you're aware of some of the uh, famous uh, cases within the Bermuda Triangle's history, but uh, perhaps one of the most famous is uh, Flight 19, and talking about how these five big aircraft were flying over the Bermuda Triangle and all their compasses at some point went completely mental. They didn't know where they were going. And eventually they, they lost fuel. The planes went down and um, no one has ever seen or heard of them since. Now, there's lots of cases like that. And, and one of the most common uh, denominators within each case is that their um, compasses all um, go crazy and no one can understand why do you think you might have some sort of explanation as to why this sort of thing happens within that area and i know it's a massive area yes i mean i think there's a, there's a lot of myths about the Bermuda triangle and it only really came into existence in the late 50s uh, as a result of some books and some stories and actually if you look at any part of the ocean you will find mysteries of ships or aircraft disappearing 
Flight 19 is a good example. Now, there was this assumption that Flight 19 was a, a flight of experience um, Air Force pilots, which were sort of doing a reconnaissance. And when you actually look at the detail, it was actually a training flight. And the individual in charge of the training flight, the experienced, so-called experienced uh, officer, um, these were days before we had uh, GPS, and they basically misunderstood where they were. And there's, there's evidence from radio signals back to, or radio calls back to base, that uh, they got disorientated. They, dis, they, they wouldn't believe their compasses because they'd looked down at the, the uh, coastline, they got the wrong coastline, and they sort of headed out into sea rather than back towards base. And of course, uh, you go beyond radio contact, you get to a point where the, the aircraft ran out of fuel and they, they ditched in the, in the ocean. And we know from sort of other aircraft that ditch in the ocean, particularly small, relatively small aircraft like this, that the chances of finding them are very, very slim. So sadly, it's not particularly a, um, a surprise that Flight 19 went down. And it was very much down to, if you look at the reports, to inexperienced crew and perhaps a slightly gung-ho uh, training officer. But actually, if we look at the, the occurrences of disappearances, I think there are two very interesting things that occur in this area. The first is that something like between a third and 40%, about 30, 40% of all privately owned vessels are registered for the US in this region. And that includes Bermuda, um, the Bahamas, uh, Florida, and so on. And if you add to that uh, a Coast Guard report, they, they do a US Coast Guard do an annual report, which showed, uh, for example, in 2017, that 82%, 82% of call outs were to um, crews who had either no experience of being at sea or and no training. You don't have to have a driving license to take a boat to sea. I can jump on a 100-foot yacht and take it out tomorrow without any qualifications at all, without radios, without navigation assistance. And it's not surprising if you look at the fact that it's the highest density of pleasure craft uh, in the US that we see perhaps a higher number of ships mysteriously disappearing in this region. What do you think about, um, I, I talked briefly about the Hutchinson uh, method where he um, experimented within his own apartment, didn't he? And he got all sort of electrical equipment um, and um, sort of plugged them all in, as it were, and, and they were all condensed in a very small area. And because of the electromagnetic fields that were uh, pulsating within that small area, um, he sort of came up with a, a method saying, you know, because of the unusual high levels of EMF, it would cause objects to bend, to move, to levitate on their own. But why do you think that the, that the ocean is pushing out these unusual levels? It's not. Um, actually, there are oscillations in the Earth's magnetic field, but these occur off the coast of Brazil, uh, a couple of thousand miles south of the Bermuda Triangle. So we can't really blame sort of ah. um, magnetic anomalies uh, on any of the incidents in the Bermuda Triangle. Sorry about that. Well, that's put a hole in my theory, Simon. That's put a hole in my theory. I'm very upset about that. I mean, the only thing you do get in this area, which isn't, I'm afraid to say, paranormal, is a very common, well, I say common, you do get what we call rogue waves. Now, these don't, contrary yeah. to what you might believe if you watch a sort of a disaster movie where some cruise line is going across a flat calm sea and a wave comes out of nowhere. Rogue waves don't look like that. Rogue waves come from storms. So if a ship's in a storm, if you've got storms from different directions and the Bermuda Triangle area, along with other parts of the world, uh, is an area where we can get different storms coming together. If that happens, we get what we call constructive interference uh, with the waves. And this means you've got a storm maybe uh, coming off the coast of Florida, off one of the hurricanes of, let's say, 10 meters height. You've got another storm heading down from Grand Banks, meeting up with that, again, with 10 meter high waves. If they combine, then you can get sort of brief points where the two waves meet, and they create a very high wave of about 20, even 30 meters. Now, obviously, a wave in the middle of a storm that big will cause a ship to sink. Now, the area in which this happens most 
is actually Cape of Good Hope, a long way from the Bermuda Triangle. And for many Ah. years, ships did disappear in this area. Science knew that in theory, this was an area that was prone to super waves or these these rogue waves. But they're very difficult to, to measure because they're not like waves where you get a wave that's propagating and you can see that wave for hours going across the ocean, a bit like a tsunami. These are waves where... A bit like in the bath, if you splash around, you can make a sort of a, a very peaky wave which lasts for seconds and disappears again. They last a bit longer than seconds, but they only last for a few minutes usually. So the chances of being in the right place at the right time to pick one of these waves up, particularly in a storm, we try to avoid too many storms in our job, um, is about the same as winning the lottery, really. And so it wasn't until the 1990s that we started to observe these from satellites. So we can use satellites now to, to, to measure waves. And you do get, you know, we've measured 30-meter waves in that area. And obviously, you've got a large vessel. Um, You know, if you've got a a very sharp wave, which is 30 meters high, uh, it's got a trough in the middle. The distance between the two peaks is maybe a couple hundred meters, very, very short wave. If you've got a ship that's two or 300 meters long sitting across that wave, it's got nothing supporting it in the middle, and it snaps and sinks very quickly. So it is possible that nature is out there creating these rogue waves. We know that the Florida area, particularly given we get a lot of tropical storms in that area, uh, is prone to rogue waves. And whilst I wouldn't say, you know, don't go to sea because it's dangerous, um, you know, we can explain some of the disappearances through these rogue waves. What about, there must be some cases that, that you've heard of or you've looked at, you know, obviously, in the as well as in the air, but actually underneath the sea. We, uh, you know, I've just been talking um, to Alan Raw, Alan and Harrison Raw, and we've just been talking about the fact that uh, of lots of USOs have been um, experienced and witnessed below the seas. And I think um, they just mentioned that eleven crew and a submarine were actually injured, but they they didn't know what it was. They couldn't explain what it was. Are you aware of any of these things? You do get on, on the seabed in that area, and it's not unique to the Bermuda Triangle. And it comes back to the fact that, you know, if you expand the oceans, you could actually make the Bermuda Triangle across the entire Atlantic, Pacific, and Indian Oceans. Mm. So you'd find, you know, what, what are uh, purported as mysterious disappearances or mysterious events. The oceans are vast. They've got a lot of dynamics to them, a lot of internal waves which break. Um, but also in the area around Bermuda, and it's not the only place where you get these uh, sort of waxy substances, which are sort of, a, 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 they're a sort of oil, and um, they sort of seep out of the seabed. Um, usually it's a result of rotting vegetation. And what often happens is that they are um, fairly solid waxy on the seabed. If they get disturbed, um, for whatever reason, they can just detach and float. And as they float, they change because of the pressure. They change from a, uh, a solid through to a liquid, and eventually as they get towards the surface. And with a submarine, you're looking relatively close to the surface. You know, if you look at the depth of water, you're looking at water that's maybe three kilometers deep. A submarine's maybe 100 meters. So as they get to the surface, um, these materials basically turn to gas. And so, you know, there is evidence that we do get these sort of um, uh, gas releases from the seafloor. Now, a submarine going through that would experience some unusual situations. It would cause a lot of buffeting, a lot of turbulence. There is a theory that says, in principle, if you get one of these um, sort of events underneath a ship, then it can um, reduce the buoyancy. If you suddenly surround it, sort of supported by a mixture of air and water rather than just water, then the ship could sink. Well, there's been quite a lot of experiments on this. Um, I know that the theory says it could happen. I've yet to see evidence that uh, this can happen. Fascinating. You see, I'm learning so much. I didn't know any of this, Simon. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you finally, and I think I know what the answer to this is going to be. Do you believe in Atlantis? Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, I would say San no. I think it depends what you mean by Atlantis. If it's a mysterious place, I'd say no. But we've done work in the Black Sea, and there's a thing called the Varna Gold. And uh, there's evidence that before the Black Sea flooded, the Black Sea, um, 8,000, 10,000 years ago, uh, was a freshwater lake. And it was about 70 meters lower than it is today. And about 
eight, nine thousand, ten thousand years ago, uh, as we headed towards the end of the last ice age, a large amount of ice was released from uh, North America, which is now the Great Lakes, and that ice release raised sea levels by one meter in a very short time. We're thinking about a year, looking at ge- geological history. Now, what that did was it broke through from the eastern Mediterranean um, through Turkey, and it has been known now as Turkey, the Dardanelles, and into the Black Sea. And over the course of about a year, the Black Sea filled up and became seawater. And we have plenty of evidence of that looking at sediment records. Now, there was a a culture um, that predated the Egyptians and was shown from finds made from archaeological discoveries in that region, um, which was very, very advanced, and certainly more advanced than the Egyptians were. And they discovered all kinds of gold artifacts and culture in what would have been um, basically sort of flooded areas. And people would have retreated, gone into sort of Eastern Europe, as we know it now, uh, and also across to the Middle East. And we're fairly certain that that is the sort of the basis of the story of Noah's Flood, Uh, because Noah's Flood is reported in many different cultures. And Mm. actually, the timing is sort of right. And it would be the sort of event where, you you know, people wouldn't understand what's going on. They suddenly see around the Black Sea, which covers a lot of cultures in those days, the sea levels rising rapidly. Uh, And, you know, 70 meters, although the sea level rise in the rest of the world was only one meter because it was pouring through like a big sort of waterfall into the Black Sea. Then those 70 meter sea level rise would have been seen as the big flood. So yeah, Atlantis in the sense of lost civilizations or lost cities um, could be explained in those sorts of ways. Whether it was ever called Atlantis, we don't know. We don't know. And just, uh, I said finally, but as you were talking, I was like, oh, I must ask you this question. Um, there have been lots of, and you just touched on it there, um, structures that have been found um, under the sea. But these structures, they're the way that they've been built um, and put together, the most, uh, I'm just trying to think of a, a, off the top of my head and I can't, but it's almost like um, they've been cut using almost like a laser um, and they're so beautifully positioned, almost like these massive bricks, like a huge brick wall or a building, all underwater, that obviously, like you say, was originally above water, above sea level. Um, but what has made the these amazing structures? Because they date them to, you know, forgive me saying this, and I love saying this, well, you know, when, when the human race was digging up a, a, a field using the arse bone of a giraffe, quote Shirley Valentine. I would go back to Ivana Gold. And I think, you know, we, we have civilizations in certain parts of the world which have developed quite rapidly. And sometimes those have collapsed. They've sort of changed. In the case of the Black Sea, they flooded. There's a really nice example, perhaps not quite as elegant as that, but we... Um, colleagues of mine discovered some quite interesting, very, very ancient um, buildings, wooden buildings that were in the Solent uh, some years ago. And these are, you know, these things are about 10,000 years old. And they would have been sort of inundated uh, when the English Channel broke through into the North Sea, because of course there was the land bridge across between. Uh, we we were part of Europe literally once um, before the <laughs> English Channel sort of filled in, and certainly the Solent, mm. you know, the Isle of Wight would have been connected to the mainland as well. And so there's evidence as those um, river valleys flooded of um, civilizations. I say civilizations, certainly. Um, uh, groups of people who were perhaps for their time quite advanced. It's absolutely fascinating. We're not looking at mobile no. phones here. We're not looking at sort of um, that sort of level. But we are looking at stuff that perhaps surprises on a sort of a regular basis. Well, you see, I'm, I'm an ancient alien theorist, you see, and I can see your eyes rolling now, Simon, as I've said that. Um, <laughs> but uh, thank you. Can I just say it's been absolutely fascinating. I hope you'll come back on onto the podcast if uh, you know to talk further about such paranormal things that might occur in our oceans. Um, Simon Boxall, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> okay, you bet. Bye. Nice speaking to you. Thank you for listening to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding. What do you think is the reason for the disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle? I'd love to know what you think. 
We'll be back again next week. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow. And if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review. We want to hear from you. So send in a question or an audio clip telling us your paranormal story to this address. It's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. That's paranormalactivitypod at gmail.com. We also have WhatsApp and you can send in your voice notes to this phone number. 075-999-27537. That's 075-999-27537. We also have an Instagram page. Follow us at Paranormal Activity Pod. That's at Paranormal Activity Pod. And remember, give Barry Manilow a listen and things aren't always as they seem. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.